to another episode of the Freedom Talks podcast, everybody. This is your host, Joe Ogden. This week, we have another interview with one of our new therapists out in Brookfield, Rachel. And Dr. Rachel um, just finished up her residency in North Carolina, so she brings a whole wealth of knowledge and very up-to-date research that comes with that. And this interview really was really fun for me as well because... It definitely was eye-opening um, to understand some of the latest research and what we talk about with some similar views as we graduated school about the same time. And she was a really good guest and brings, again, a whole wealth of knowledge. So I think everyone should really enjoy listening to this podcast interview with her that we did. So without further ado, we'll bring you the interview with Dr. Rachel from Brookfield. All right. So welcome back to another podcast, everybody. I'm joined today by Dr. Rachel, who um, just started with us out in our Brookfield location. Rachel, good morning. Good morning, Joe. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. It's been a great morning. So Rachel just started with us three weeks ago? Yeah, about three weeks now. Yeah, this is my fourth week here. How have things been going? They've been going really well. Um, I really like all my colleagues and just having the continued learning experience here at Freedom has been great with with all my patients. Are you going to be full now or are you still working? Uh, this week, yeah, this week I'm um, essentially full, though I took a couple of uh, another therapist um, patients as they're deer hunting, so <laughs> holding down the fort for him. Dr. Trenton is gone this week. Yes, he as is. As am I. I just squeeze this in before I'm heading back to go out there. Oh, fun. How's it been going? Good. Good. Nice. So Rachel, tell us a little bit, you know, just start with a little bit of background, you know, kind of where you're from, where you went to school. Um, and then um, we'll transition to, you know, why you chose to be a physical therapist. So I'm originally from New Berlin, Wisconsin. So just up the road from the clinic I'm at now. And I went and I did both my undergrad and graduate degrees at Marquette. So I studied exercise physiology and then um, my DPT there as well. And then after school, I decided I really liked orthopedics and that's what I wanted to do. So I shipped myself out to North Carolina and I did another year of additional training with um, UNC and Chapel Hill and Durham for a, a residency program in orthopedics so yeah that was super fun and it was it was nice to have flowers blooming in February so I'm a little sad to <laughs> come back to the snow but I love the Midwest so it, it's good to be back. Which New Berlin High School did you go to? I went to Eisenhower. Do you live or do your parents live close to Eisenhower? Yeah they're just up the road like five minutes off Sunny yep. Slope. <clears throat> My wife and I live, um, oh, what's that church that's right off of Sunny Slope, right by Eisenhower? Um, uh, the one, like, Sunny Slope and Boyd? Yes. Uh, I think it's United Methodist. We live just in the neighborhood that's just north of that. Oh, nice. So, I had a lot of friends from grade school in that neighborhood, yeah. So, very close, and the Brookfield location is very close to that. Yeah, super nice. Um, so, did you go to your residency right after, like, graduate yeah. and then go right to your residency? I did, yep. I, I worked in the state of Wisconsin for a couple months doing a lot of workers' comp care. And then, um, yeah, I went straight up to North Carolina for 13 months of extra training. How did you how did you find out about that or what kind of pushed you towards going and choosing to do the residency? Yeah, so we had a couple of our professors at Marquette had done residency programs, not all of them. And I had talked with them kind of about what was their benefit they felt they gained from doing a residency program on the clinical side. And they thought their clinical reasoning just became accelerated from what it would have been um, being a new grad. So that was really intriguing to me. And I liked the opportunity to get to work with some physical therapy students as I'd love to help run a lab course. I don't think I want to fully teach and I love my patient care. So 
Um, but I like that idea of having, you know, I had a student with me for my first couple months and then um, not every day, but a couple, couple days a week. And then we got to go in and give some lectures and assistant teach in the orthopedic lab courses. So I love that. And then um, UNC with the residence program, we were at two different clinics. And my first was very like athletic, high functioning based populations. And then my second clinic was more of um individuals with a lot of like chronic pain, more complex diagnoses. So I really liked getting to see both sides of physical therapy. And I loved my second clinic working with all my chronic pain patients. And that's something that I want to continue doing here with Freedom. And I know I've, I've gotten to dabble into it already. So that's great. And I really started to grow in my understanding and start to find patterns. And I feel like I can synthesize information a lot faster, which is a huge reason I wanted to to do it and work with my mentors out there. And for those that don't know, um, uh, residency, once you graduate PT school, you have your, once you take a board exam, you, you can basically treat any patient that comes in that's within the scope of a, a physical therapist um, domain. You may have some, you know, strengths and weaknesses depending on the patient population. Um, what people do have an option to do, and I'm very big proponent of it, um, more so because I didn't do it looking back, knowing what I know now, um, when I would have graduated, I really would have looked into it more for the reasons that you said was a lot of the clinical reasoning um, skills. A residency is just, and correct me if I'm wrong, but a residency is just essentially additional practice and work to establish another certification. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's correct. And I would say it's a fast track to breaking out of that new grad mind state or mindset of being, you know, slower in your, your synthesis of patient information. And so, yeah, that was a huge reason I wanted to do it is to just get better faster. But yeah, I, I am on track for yeah, the uh, orthopedic uh, specialization. Did you see that as a, a benefit? Did Like, did you get everything out of the residency that you were hoping for? Yeah, I did. I loved it. It it was for me, it was a perfect transition out of school because I was still kind of in that learning mindset. You still, you know, we still had exams and coursework, but they exposed us to current concepts, which is kind of like a huge synthesis of orthopedic um, physical therapy practice. And they put out a new one every five years. And that was probably the most helpful thing for me. Great direct source to all the current research and essentially best practice in orthopedics. Um, so yeah, I, I thought it was worth it. I loved it. I got experience writing a case report too to help advance the profession, which was really nice. I think something, I'd be curious what your thoughts on this. Um, right when I graduated, within four months, I would say, of graduating, I, I took another um, certification course on a lot of orthopedic stuff. It didn't take a residency, it didn't take um, my OCS or anything, but it was very in learning on orthopedic, what from manual to exercise prescription to your diagnostic skills. And I'd be curious what you think too. I thought it was very interesting that the board exam from an orthopedic perspective is very dated. Mm -hmm. And then you get to the real world and you're behind a little bit. Yeah. Like for example, on the board exam, I had the sleeper stretch and I'll never forget this ever. Uh, the sleeper stretch was on my board exam four different times. There's a lot of research that shows that that doesn't mm -hmm. do what we need to because you're putting yourself in an impinged position. Mm -hmm. I'd be curious what you think too, you know, going from studying big time for the board exam and then jumping right into a clinical, which kind of probably really jumped you forward. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I agree. I mean, our general PT board exam was very 
yeah, outdated. And that's something that you don't know right in school because they're they're trying to just keep you up to date as fast as possible. But then when you hit residency, like current concepts, I mean, it's even outdated now because I believe the version that we read was from 2020. So there would be certain things that it was great. Mentors would be like, okay, so you're doing what the 2020 research said, but did you read this article from 2021 or 2022 that actually kind of refutes that? So it is, everything's outdated. And that's just something that I've learned in, you know, physical therapy and in medicine in general is you're always playing catch up. But that's why I like being in this environment and here at Freedom, like the push for continuing education is tremendous and trying to keep all of our clinicians up to date. And I know here at Brookfield, since I've been here, I'm sure um, it was happening before too, but we all send each other articles like every week of, hey, this is really good. Like we should try this or, hey, read this. Um, But yeah, it is. It's so true. Everything's so outdated when we're learning it that we don't even know what else there is because in school it's so overwhelming of everything you could read <laughs> i think the nice part too is out of school you kind of figure out what you like um mm-hmm. you know kind of the rabbit hole you want to go down which makes it easier where school it's just okay right just gotta just you gotta sift through it and do what you want which is both good and bad you need a general overview of everything but especially out in brookfield too as you know it's a lot more intimate environment you know with not mm-hmm. as many therapists so you can have the conversations um that you want and that you that you need to at certain times, which makes it fun. Right. Has Jeff gotten down the osteopathic route with yeah, you? Yeah, he has. Yeah, I've learned a lot from him about it. And I think both him and I have been good at challenging each other and well, have you considered this too, or have you tried this too? Yeah, so it's been it's been really nice working with such a great group of colleagues that everyone's very open to sharing their knowledge and then learning from each other, which has been great. So now that you finish your residency do you have your OCS as well so not yet that we don't take until um it'll be this coming spring so February or March um so I get to sign up for that in December okay very fun expensive test to take <laughs> but yeah so once I take that we'll find out in June that we passed um, is it like a board exam yeah it is it's so it's the same like I think it's only 200 questions instead of 250 um, but yeah, still like a nice four to five hour test. <laughs> and is it just like the board exam? It's at a pro metric center. Yeah. 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 You got to check in. Yeah. And then once you take it, do you have and pass it? Do you have the credentialing forever? Or do you have to keep paying? So it's every, every 10 years. Um, okay. So I think the like first three, you have to either like write some test questions for them or you have to write a case report to show that you're staying up to date with um like as best you can evidence-based um and i think that repeats for the next two three year cycles and then in year nine i believe you have to do a little bit more i was talking to trent about it and then in year 10 if you've met all the requirements you have to take an open book exam okay yeah but i think that is just 100 questions now is trenton also is doing his ocs as well right he has his OCS. He's now doing a fellowship. Which um, is additional on top of OCS? Yeah, so that's additional. And you do not need your OCS to do a fellowship, but then you need to have completed a residency. So, like, it, okay. I theoretically could be in a fellowship even though I don't have my OCS yet. That's potentially something I'll pursue, um, but I kind of wanted to get into the clinic more and yeah. craft my own experience before. So did you look at a couple of different residencies or you just knew this is what I want to do and applied to whatever program and got in and then boom, 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 here we are. 
I did. So I knew I wanted orthopedics. Um, originally, when I was in school, I was kind of looking between doing more of a sports focused residency versus just orthopedics. And yeah. I, I took an upper elective at Marquette that was all sports related. But um, the professional athlete route is not what interests me. And that that's kind of where the sports residencies are more geared is like college and professional athletes. Yeah. I like recreational and high school athletes more so. So I decided to do orthopedics and I was looking at four different programs. Um, UNC's just, I felt fit my morals and goals. So they were my first interview and they offered me the job. So I declined my interviews with a couple other schools and they both locally. And then there's another one on the East coast. So yeah, that's how I kind of narrowed it down. Yeah. And when did you finish there? So I finished there September 29th of this past year. Okay. Um, yeah. How did you find out about Freedom? So um, Caleb Unay and I were um, classmates at Marquette, and I knew okay. that she had been working with Freedom. And Marquette had sent out like a, a hiring blast to all their alumni from Mike with Freedom saying, hey, if you're interested. And I was like, you know, I really am. And I talked to Kayla about it. She had nothing but great things to say. Yeah. Um, and so... Then I reached out to Mary and her and I talked and then I talked with Mike and Jeff and I, it just felt like it'd be a really great fit for me. Yeah. So is this technically your first job outside of PT school or does the residency count as a job? Or the not? residency, Yeah. So the residency is a job as well. So you're working 30 hours a week alone with patients okay. and then you work an additional four with a mentor and then um, our Tuesdays were our didactic day where we would do class or go and teach, um, depending okay. on what we're in. Yeah. So I, I worked, um, the summer before I went to residency for about three and a half months here in Wisconsin. So technically you could call this my third job, that filler couple months, of, you know, it was so fast. I feel like it's technically my second job, but yeah. And what would be it? What would be your advice? I mean, since we're talking about, you know, school and uh, residency mm -hmm. for any student that potentially is considering it or something looking back that you wish you would have thought about? Yeah, I would say if you're considering doing a residency, um, but you hated school and like we're kind of just so excited to be done with taking tests, it's probably not the right route for you because yeah. um, my program had two written exams and then two live practical exams where mentors are observing you with a patient. And then other programs have even more written exams. And then there is a little bit of research required. So if you don't like research, I wouldn't recommend either um, or find a residency program that doesn't require any sort of like research or case report um, application. And something for me that I was helpful, I knew I wanted orthopedics. If you don't know what setting you want to go into yet, because there's residencies in sports, orthopedes, Jerry, um, neuro, all sorts of different settings. Right. Yeah, pelvic health. Yeah, any setting you want to work in, there's acute care ones. If you're not sure yet, I would say take those first couple of years as time to go and learn what you like and what you don't like because um, it's a pretty big commitment if you jump into a residency that is all focused on one aspect of PT and realize you hate it that would be a very rough year for you yeah um, so yeah you got to make sure that you like it that's where I give you a ton of credit I remember coming to the end of PT school you're you're at your clinicals or however your school has it set up but you know that you're graduating and coming up you have your board exam coming up you're studying, yeah. you're studying for whatever. I saw the light at the end of the tunnel. There was no way I was going back in the tunnel. Yeah. I get to where it is now. It's like, oh, maybe, maybe I could have done it. Maybe I could have done it, but it's really yeah. a, tough, 
a tough thing. I give you so much credit for sticking with it and going right to it right away. Yeah. Well, thank you. And yeah, I do. I think anyone can do it. It's just, you have to kind of know what you're getting yourself into. And UNC was very honest with me. Um, the director at the time was Mike McMorris who interviewed me and he said, it's about trying to drink from an exploding fire hydrant and not just get, you know, smacked down. And yeah, it was intense, but um, it was also nice. I, I had a residency program where there was four of us doing orthopedics. So okay. it was nice having other people to talk to. We were never at the same clinic, um, but all of our classes were together and stuff. So that was great. So now the last thing is just to take the exam for the OCS. Yeah. Now is when I'm seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. I'm like, I just want to be done studying because I'm working and then going home and trying to read an article or read something to study. So that'll be nice to be done. <laughs> is it mostly studying at this point more of the because i've looked at a couple other certifications as well and it seems like the difference professionally in my limited research of you know some different legitimate like test taking certifications the difference in the professional world is the amount of research that you need to stay on top of yeah as well as obviously the information between skills and whatever else but it seems like a large portion is that research based and i know you know the challenging thing i think for any year after that past current concepts is that the current concepts is technically outdated now. So it's 2020, the next one will come out in 2025. My exams in 2024, I believe they set a cutoff of either 2021 or 2022, where they will not add new research past that to the exam. But then again, I don't think they could fault you. Like if everyone gets a question wrong, because there was new research out on it, they're going to toss the question. But yeah, it is. It's just staying up to date and reading all the CPGs that are available and knowing the clinical prediction rules, things like that. I think that's that's one thing. And I'm not sure how it was in Marquette. Where I went at, at Carroll and Waukesha, I think our orthopedics, they do a, a fantastic job. Our professor does great. So many research articles with the CPGs I still use today. I mean, yeah. yes, the whole article is very important. But if you can just pull out that just to make sure yeah. you're on the right track, it's so beneficial. Yeah, I agree. And I, I think that was something like Marquette presented it to us. Um, it was something I, in school, I don't think I understood the depth of how helpful it was until I started working. I was like, oh yeah, I have a hamstring strain. Oh, there's a CPG for that. I can go read that and figure out the best way to treat the patient rather than reading these 12 articles on hamstring strains. Well, I feel like the nice part too about physical therapy for the most part is, the, well, I guess you have to really make sure that you find the right research article first and the, from the right source, but right. do a lot of practical type research instead of being like, okay, here's all this theoretical data. What mm-hmm. do I do with that? Right. Like a, lot of this, a lot of it's very practical and safe to do. I mean, worst case scenario, it yeah. doesn't work. Right. Exactly. Yeah. You're not going to kill anybody mm-hmm. by stretching a hamstring because that's what research shows works. Right. Basic example. So now that you're kind of getting situated in Brookfield, How's your patient population? Like what demographic of patients are you seeing or is it kind of mixed? It's pretty mixed. I'm seeing, I believe my youngest right now is probably low teenage years, maybe 13, 14. Um, My oldest right now I think is around 80, Um, but I've treated a lot younger and a lot older um, throughout my time. And I'm seeing a decent mix of TMJ jaw dysfunctions. Oh, did you take Mike's class? I have not taken Mike's class yet, um, but with my residency training, um, I have been able to start seeing the patients and Trent and I have reviewed and I saw some at UNC. So yeah, it's been 
it's been going really well. Um, and then I also, I have some of Mike's content too, from he taught our TMJ stuff at Marquette. Oh, yeah, it does. So, yeah. <laughs> so that's been helpful as well. And then I'm seeing a good chunk of like chronic pain patients, which I love as well as a bunch of different peripheral joints. And I have two concussion cases, which is also something I'm really interested in pursuing more. Um, I got a lot of experience at UNC treating concussion, and I know that's technically a neurological diagnosis, um, but it's commonly seen in the outpatient ortho setting. So um, yeah, that's been really fun too. That's what I was going to ask next too. Any other future plans besides the OCS? But I mean, I know you hinted at a lot of it, but. Yeah, there's, there's so many things that I want to keep pursuing. I know I want to um, become dry needling certified. Mike's class is definitely top of the list. Um, the next one that they have coming up in the area. And then um, I would love to take more concussion courses to get better at treating that. Because um, I just, it's such a fun diagnosis to me and everyone presents so differently. that yeah, I really like return to sport after concussion. I think that's the one. And it doesn't interest me to treat, quite honestly. I'm the first to admit that. And I played football growing up, and I love watching football. I'm a, I am tell people all the time, I'm, I'm a hypocrite completely. I love watching. I think playing, especially with concussions, big in football, play, mm-hmm. actually playing football is the most unrewarding thing you can do <laughs> for your head. Yeah, yeah, I that's very true. As years keep going and going and going, we're going to be finding out so much. Mm-hmm. That And treatment will change, diagnosis will change. I mean, I think that's in our professional career, Yeah, I really think that's going to be the one thing that changes the most. Yeah, I could see it for sure. But yeah, everything's, they're learning so much more about the brain, yeah. And I say that again, the perspective, I don't want to treat it. It doesn't. You can send them all to me. I'll treat them. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't do it for me. And I'm perfectly fine admitting that. I think you like Mike's class too. Mike does a very nice job of, and was your TMJ a part of their residency? Yeah. Yeah. We had a unit on it. So what I think is really nice about Mike's class is it also comes from the private practice perspective. Right. Like someone comes in with jaw pain. Yes. You want to treat their jaw. That's pretty obvious. You want to make sure Mm -hmm. things are going well. Um, But then it, it kind of goes deeper in the private practice perspective of we have to legitimately treat the whole body and make sure that there's not anything else going on because we might be the only place that you stop as a patient or the, the, um, where something else presents. So, I mean, he does a very nice job of, yes, show me the skills of how to treat the jaw Mm -hmm. stuff, but here are some other things to look out for this type of case or whatever it is. It, it, he does a very nice job. Yeah. I, Jeff is helpful. Yeah. Trent and Jeff have, um, kind of dabbled into that with me as well. And yeah, I I don't think I've seen a single jaw patient where that's their only (laughs) contributing factor to the pain. And Jeff, I mean, it all depends on the perspective. Like Jeff and I have gone down like some muscle energy stuff, some Mm -hmm. osteopathic treatment. Um, Trenton doesn't do that as much. Right. I mean, and not that one's right or wrong. I think it's, that's what's cool about freedom too, is there's so many skilled people that whichever way that kind of makes sense to you, you can go down that route. And if you have questions, just ask. Yeah, exactly. That it's been very nice. Like when I've had downtime in the the past couple of weeks this week, I'm I'm full. But the past couple of weeks, it was nice to kind of bounce in with them and see how they both treat and take bits of each of them back into to what I'm doing. Yeah, it's very cool. Have you been exposed to any osteopathic at the residency at all, or has that been a new? No, thing? we were we were not. Um, so I've just been. I mean, we would do like muscle energy techniques, but 
overall. Um, I, most of what I've gotten, I've learned from Jeff now. I feel like um, that's one thing if I were to go back uh, to PT mm-hmm. school and like discuss interventions is muscle energy is not, I mean, yeah, it's talked about like just a basic contract, relax, but not really of like what you're right. doing, or why you're doing it. Yeah. Like, this is what you see. This is how you have to correct it. Mm-hmm. Contract and relax. Yeah. It's, it's very safe concept. Don't get me wrong. Right. But why are we doing it? That would be my big one to understanding muscle energy. Cause I think it really, that and um, some manipul- manipulation, excuse me, is really good mm-hmm. for the patients. Yeah. Yeah. I am. Um... I do manipulate. I know not everyone here is yet comfortable with it, but I've been encouraging on downtime. I'll practice with like grace. And I think that that's helping because I feel like that's why most therapists don't manipulate. It's just because they're not comfortable with it if they don't do it. But yeah, I agree. It's so indicated in the research too. Research supports it. I would argue, and I'd be curious what you think too. It, It sounds like we agree. I feel like A, there's not enough practice going on. Mm-hmm. I remember in PT school, we kind of just hinted at it because it was a part of the lab, but right, that was basically it. Um, and we knew that that wasn't going to be on the skill check. So why does it matter to really practice it? You know, and that just kind of trickles down to going to clinical and then going into practice is there's not many people that really do it as much. And then if you're not comfortable with the skill by yourself, you're not going to do it. Right. Yeah. That's what I totally agree. And something that UNC, um, we had a manual course and it built in. And one of the things one of my mentors said was just assume going into the session, like hype yourself up for it and assume that you're going to manipulate them because then you're not going to be scared to. And obviously if the patient's afraid to, you're not going to, or if there's any contraindications to it, you're not going to, but that, yeah, I think is something beneficial for therapists to know because you can practice on each other, but then you also have to be comfortable enough to try it on a patient. And if you're doing it properly and correctly, you don't necessarily need the cavitation to have it have worked, right? So I think that's also something people look for is like, oh, well, they didn't make any noise, like the joint didn't make a noise, so it must not have worked. Which again, has proven that that doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Right, Our exactly. Has proven that that doesn't matter. Um, but yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I think it's a really good skill to implement. I like to do it before my um, active interventions because I want to make sure that mm-hmm. manually the body is moving the way I want it to so that my yes. exercise can correct that bad position. To me, that's how yeah. it makes sense, which is why osteopathic makes sense to me. Um, but other people are the opposite on, you know, and not anti-manual, but don't do as much mm-hmm. manual. They more active exercise, which I can, I see the other side of the coin. Yeah. Yeah, I do too. And I agree that if I'm going to do manual someone, I usually start with it because you want to then strengthen through the range that you've gotten. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I do know like at UNC, we talked a lot about how there is kind of an anti-manual movement right now in the PT world, um, which I, I think there's a balance of both, right? If all I do is manual and then I don't give them a follow-up exercise, like, okay, perhaps that's not the best way to treat them. But also sometimes that's what they need that first couple of visits to work more so on the pain modulation side of it as well. Um, And then from there, once the pain calms down and they have better movement, then you can go ahead and do all your activities and exercises and stuff. So I think physical therapy and we might have to do a follow-up podcast on this because this is on my list to get going for just another discussion physical therapy i think is an extreme field one and it, it comes in fads quite honestly we do this all the time where you know manual comes into play and everyone's like manual 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 oh, yeah. we're not doing any manual all that was stupid 
we're mm-hmm. only doing exercise and i i my brain doesn't work like that in extremes like, same <laughs> i think we'd agree on this is there's places for both yes mm-hmm. if it's one extreme yeah it's gonna work or if you're looking at it that this one exercise is gonna fix you that's probably not true right mm-hmm. yeah but i'm totally I, with you that's where i just that's one part about the field that is a little frustrating in today's world this anti-manual mm-hmm. i just think it exposes our field a little bit that there's some serious problems that need to be addressed yeah yeah there certainly is i agree but we can add that on a future podcast. I think that would be a really good one that a lot of clinicians would find it interesting. And it's not meant to be controversial. I think it's just a fact of how it is. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I would be, I would be interested. So I always like to finish every podcast with very short but important question because I do think our personal, personal life skills overlap with our professional mm-hmm. persona, so to speak. Not that we're different people, but a lot of people separate their work from their personal life. What motivates you to be a better person or physical therapist? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I always, so the reason I became a physical therapist was my next door neighbor. Um, I started working with him when I was 16 years old as just like a respite care provider for his parents. Um, He has cerebral palsy and autism and just seeing how excited he was having um, social interaction outside of like his parents was really cool to me. Um, And then I started um, going with him to some of his therapy appointments and doctor's visits and I really liked his physical therapist. So I always think of, you know, him and if I can make someone half as happy as what he, the joy he brings me and brings to himself, then I'm doing a good thing. Um, I also, both in patient successes and in failures, I I feel like there's always more that I can do or want to do, whether it's a new patient case that I haven't seen before and I'm going to do some outside research to learn the case with the patient. That just motivates me to be better because I think a lot of the times I feel our profession as a whole is very quick to say, okay, well, not necessarily here at Freedom, but just PT in general. Well, maybe you should just go get a second opinion on it. And I feel we refer out a little bit too quickly. And there's the appropriate times to refer out. But I think perhaps some of that comes from people not knowing how to find the research or how to help the patients the best they can. And so I kind of like having those challenging cases where I don't know um, exactly what I want to do with the patient because it motivates me to be better and then it motivates me to help them and find something that works. Well, I think we're so quick to admit to ourselves, not necessarily to the patient, that whatever's going on, we don't know. Mm-hmm. We send it off where I look at that from the other perspective. And yes, there may be some patients that lose trust in you over this, which I look, yeah, that's bad. But right. the reality of, I will tell you, like, I don't know this. Mm-hmm. By the time I see you next, I'm going to research. I'm going to figure out what we should do next. Right. To me, the patients that understand that, that develops better trust with them. And then the ones that don't, it's just, I mean, that it's just how it happens. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I agree. And yeah, that's always the challenge to starting someplace new. I know I've had some patients that um, were a little concerned hearing that I was new to freedom. Um, but then once, once they get to talk and work with me and I, you know, show them that this is, we're going to make this work for them. And it might take a little more effort on my end, but that's fine. That's why I'm in this job. Yeah. Well, Rachel, thank you so much for jumping in. I had to reschedule this because last week I had some baby babysitting pop up 
when I was watching the baby. So Rachel is nice enough to let me move this around quickly on a, on a short week. So thank you so much for spending a little bit of time and letting us get to know you a little bit. And we're super excited to have you here at Freedom. Yeah, of course. Not a problem at all. And thanks so much. I appreciate it. Yeah, you got it. Thank you for listening to yet another podcast interview from the Freedom Talks podcast. Rachel was a fantastic guest for us and we're super excited to have her a part of Freedom. And it sounds like she is just as excited and brings a whole wealth of knowledge to our Brookfield location. So super excited to see her get established here at Freedom. And again, she's at the Brookfield location. So if any patients are in the area or in need of care, please definitely reach out. And Rachel would love to work with you as well as well as any of our other physical therapists at our other four locations, either in Fox Point, Grafton, and Maguanago. Thanks for listening to another podcast and we'll see everybody in the next episode. Mm-hmm.